I love you guys. I'm loving this winter. I mean, seriously. <laughs> of course, I suspect that it might just be kind of like the way... Uh, I was going to say, this, uh, it, it, it might just be kind of like the way a lot of, uh, of people attend church, which means it doesn't show up on time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is Tennessee, after all. There's no telling. Uh, but so far, the winners reminded me more of a Zimbabwe winner than a, than a Tennessee winner. <clears throat> Two things, I need to announce two things very quickly before I get into the sermon. Um, tonight at 6 o'clock, those of you who uh, want to sing some hymns and hear some southern gospel, is that what's happening? Choruses from the 70s. From the 70s. We're not going to scratch another back, scratch the back next to us, are we? Okay, it, just wanted to know. Uh, if you're, but at uh, 6 o'clock in the, in the youth room, there will be... Uh, Service. Uh, we're, we're calling it the throwback service, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then also, uh, some of you don't know these people, but many of you will. Um, our former youth pastor, uh, Rob Bauman's wife, Tara, is very, very ill with cancer. In fact, unless the Lord just intervenes miraculously, uh, she's at the very end stages of it. And as... Um, you might imagine that's created a lot of difficulty for their family. They, they still have, is it four or five kids at home? Four? Four kids? Okay, so three at home. They just had one who just went off to college. One of them's, what, how old's the youngest? Uh, yeah, four, four years old? Yeah. Um, so anyway, it's been very, very difficult for them in a lot of ways. And uh, we're praying for them, but um, we also want to do a little bit more. So next week, we're going to take up a, a special offering for them. Uh, I, the reason we're not doing it this week is I want to give people an opportunity to uh, prepare for it. And so uh, they're, you know, they're no longer here. They are still in the area uh, up in Wilson County, but they're no longer here. But they're still part of us, and uh, we just want to, we want to do something to help them out and also let them know that they're not forgotten, they're not alone, and that we care about them. So next week we'll be taking up a special offering for them. This week we start the series on Holy Spirit myth busters. And, you know, I, I need to uh, think of titles that I can actually pronounce without having to <laughs> stop and go myth, myth, rather than myths. Uh, but anyway, and we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit is a person today. Uh, we'll have three more uh, sermons in this series after this. But would you stand with me? We're going to read a passage from John. Two passages, actually. First of all, from John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. Let's read this together. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. 
I want you to notice that it says that the world can't accept him because it doesn't see him or know him. The world is not able to accept things that it cannot see. Uh, we're people of faith. It doesn't say we, we know him because we see him. It says it's because he lives in us and will be with us. And then also, I want to go back and review uh, Galatians 3.3 because it's really kind of why we're in this series this year. Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would anoint the things that I say because I know that without that anointing, without that touch, that uh, it's just a... We might as well leave and, and, and go to lunch. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would anoint the ears of those who hear because you're able to take these words and you're able to turn them into life for those who find them. And I pray that you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I was having lunch with <clears throat> several pastors this last week and it seems that we're not the only church that has seen fit this year to go, we're going to focus on the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit's got something to do with that. Maybe, maybe he's decided to move on several churches that way. But uh, we were talking about, um, you know, why that might be. And we were talking about, uh, you know, how people tend to perceive the Holy Spirit these days, if you will, in the church. And one of the guys spoke up and said, well, I was having a conversation with my son, and I asked him, I said, how do we... How do you guys, when you guys, when people in your generation uh, talk about the Holy Spirit, do you ever talk about it? And if so, what, how do you think about it? And the reply that, that uh, the brother got was that, well, we actually don't talk about him very much, but I think for the most part, if we do, we really tend to think of him as, as a symbol. And I believe that, uh, that that's how probably a lot of believers tend to think of him. And if they, if they don't think of him as a symbol, you know, he's the dove that came down at uh, the baptism of Jesus. He's the, or maybe they think of him as, as the fire that uh, came on the day of Pentecost. If they don't think of him as a symbol, they think of him as a power, an influence. Something that, you know, comes to bring power, you know, like water or electricity or atomic energy or something like that. And there are really three, three ways we can view the Holy Spirit. We can view him as a symbol, we can view him as an influence, as power, or we can view him as a person. In the testimonies that you heard the two weeks prior uh, from the staff, you heard things like, um, we weren't taught about the Holy Spirit in the church that I attended growing up. That wasn't part of my testimony, but you heard that from several people. Or, you know, all we were taught was that there was a Holy Spirit. You know, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. And that was, that was pretty much the extent of all that we knew about it. Uh, or you, you heard things like, well, we were taught about the Holy Spirit, but really what we were taught was pretty much that He was an experience that you had. Or He was, he was something you were supposed to try to get. Uh, and in my own case, that was kind of what it was. I was taught about the Holy Spirit, but... But I wasn't necessarily taught this about the Holy Spirit. But I closed my, uh, my testimony by saying that the Holy Spirit is the most important relationship that I have in my life. 
He is the most important relationship that I have in my walk with the Lord. And the truth of the matter is, you can only have a relationship with a personality. You can't have a relationship with a symbol. You can't have a relationship with, a, with, with an influence. You can't have a relationship with a thing. You may, you may think that you love ice cream. Ice cream doesn't care. Ice cream is extremely promiscuous. It will have a relationship with anyone, but that's not actually a relationship that it's having. You know, you may be drawn to uh, sports. You may be drawn to um, patriotism. You may be drawn to art or, or food or any number of things, but you can't really have a relationship there. That can only be, relationship requires give and take, and, and it can only happen with a, with a person. The Bible makes it abundantly clear that the only scriptural option we have is to view the Holy Spirit as a person. There are at least four reasons the scriptures requires us to view the Holy Spirit as a person. We're going we're gonna to look at those. First one, the Holy Spirit is spoken of as a being as being treated in ways that can only apply to a person. Over in Isaiah chapter 63, verse 10, it says this, They rebelled and grieved His Holy Spirit, so He turned and became their enemy, and He Himself fought against them. The Holy Spirit can be rebelled against. The Holy Spirit can be... Can be, can be grieved. Only a person of authority can truly be rebelled against. First of all, it's got to be a person and it's got to be someone over where you are. Parents do not rebel against their children as a general rule. I mean, we're, we're humans and we can do weird things, but that's not really the way that it works. You know, generals don't rebel against privates. Privates rebel against generals. It's, it, it's the other way around. And, and the scripture speaks of the Holy Spirit as, as being rebelled against. You can't really rebel against a, a, a symbol. You, you, can, you, know, you may say, well, if you rebel against a country, you're rebelling against the flag. No, you're not. The flag doesn't give a rip. You're, you're, you're not rebelling against a symbol. You're rebelling against people. You're rebelling against a, an authority. You're, you're rebelling a, a, against... Against human beings. And only a person can be grieved. If you were to decide that you would no longer bathe in water, but only in dirt, water doesn't care. Water would not be offended by that. Water would say, knock yourself out. Actually, water wouldn't say anything because water can't speak. <laughs> Much less be grieved. Acts 5.3 is a story a lot of you are familiar with. In the early days of the church, and some of the, some of the people sold land, and they, uh, and they took the money that they made from selling it, and they, they brought it and laid it at the apostles' feet. And sure enough, a lot of people in the church thought, wow, what an example. That, wow, that is really something. And then this couple named Ananias and Sapphira thought, wow, we'd like to have that kind of acknowledgement from folks so they sold some land and they brought a portion of the money and laid it at the apostles feet now let me say this it's okay to bring a portion of the money if you if you sell a a piece of property and you bring a tithe of it 
we will accept it. But don't bring it and go, this is what I sold the whole thing for, so that people will stand up and go, wow, aren't you wonderful? And so Peter says to to Ananias in verse 3 of chapter 5, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? The Holy Spirit can be lied to. You know, you can only lie to a person. Any of you ever lied to a person? Okay, I, yes, I see that hand. <laughs> Any of you ever lied to a tree? What did you say to the tree, J-Wall? <laughs> of course you haven't. I mean, you can't lie to something that isn't a person. You get right down to it. So the, the, the Holy Spirit is spoken of as being treated in ways that can only apply to a person. The Holy Spirit is spoken of as holding a position that can only be held by a person. We read this passage already, John 14, 15 through 17, where Jesus talks about sending us another advocate who can be with us forever. And some translations translate it comforter, uh, some say encourager, some say counselor. And the reason why they say those different things is because the word is actually paraclete and it means all of those things. But it means a person. It means a human being who, who comes and helps you and intercedes on your behalf and pleads your case and helps you make good decisions and things. And it's not, it's not an influence. You know, it's not a one-size-fits-all thing that comes in. When the Holy Spirit comes, he, he, he isn't going to give the same encouragement to me that he gives to Wade. You know, he's, he's not going to give the same counsel to me that he gives to Daniel. He, he's, not, he's not going to plead my case the way he's going to plead Suzanne's case. Because it, it's personal. It, it, he, he knows us. It's not, uh, it's not, it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. And not only that, Jesus also said he would send another counselor another advocate and he could have chosen one of two words alos or heteros both of those mean another in greek alos means of the same kind heteros means a different kind he's saying i'm going away and i'm going to send another counselor to you guess which word he used alos of course of exactly the same kind that i am He's a personal savior. He's a personal friend. The Holy Ghost. It's personal. Just like the same kind that Jesus was to the disciples, the Holy Spirit is to us as well. That that is the office that he holds. That that of paraclete. He's the one that God has sent to deal with us individually. And then the scripture also speaks of acts that, can, that only a person can perform as being ascribed to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks, says things. I have a very expressive dog who's much more expressive than 
the trees on our property and the rocks on our property. And uh, he comes in at night to be fed. And he comes in and he jumps up and down and, you know, and, he, and he's all excited and everything. And then we put his bowl down and sometimes some of the excitement goes away. But I have yet to hear him say, no hamburger. <laughs> Turkey again. When are you people going to quit having fish? He can't talk can't express himself only a person can talk and the holy spirit speaks and literally speaks in revelation it tells us seven times that he who have, has an ear hear what the spirit says to the churches what the holy ghost is saying to the churches over in ezekiel eleven five, 5 the the prophet says this the spirit of the lord came upon me and he told me what to say This is what the Lord says. I know what's going through your mind. So when the prophet spoke in this particular case, it wasn't simply a matter of, wait a minute, I'm I'm getting an influence here. No, the Holy Ghost came and said, tell them this. Say this. And then in Galatians 4, 6, it says, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Every time I, I, I come across that passage and a similar one in Romans, I think about my dad and when Wayne first came to the church. <laughs> because, because Wayne really likes that passage, and I do too. You know, he talks about Abba, Father, and literally it means Daddy, God. You know, and, and every now and then Wayne will just get all wound up and he'll, be, and he'll just say something about Daddy. You know, and, and Grandpa, that got all over him. You know, he'd just sit there and go, he ain't daddy, he's God. And you know, I go, well, Dad, that's, you know, he's just quoting the scripture. That's what, that's what, the, that's what the Bible says. And, and in Romans, it does make clear that we can say that, that we, we have the permission to say that, that the Spirit comes in us and causes us to say it. But in Galatians, it says the Spirit himself literally is the one that says it, that, 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 is, that is bringing it up inside of our spirit the Holy Spirit prays he prays over in Romans eight twenty six, Barbie touched on this passage last week says this in the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness we do not know what we ought to pray for But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And she was saying that that she wanted the Holy Spirit because, you know, she was praying these prayers and they weren't getting answered. And she thought, well, if I get the Holy Ghost, he'll teach me how to pray and I'll get these things. And then she discovered, no, that's not really what it means. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. A couple of of things there. There are are situations, and they're more frequent than probably we'd like to acknowledge, but I know in my own life they're pretty frequent, where I don't have a clue what to pray about. 
I mean, I don't know a, a clue, I don't really have a clue about how to take this prayer. Do I pray for them to be healed or do I pray for them to go home? Because going home is not bad. Let me just say that again. Going home is not bad. We've, we've become so infused with this teaching about you got to be healed, you got to get up, you got to be strong. You gotta be... Hey, how about seeing Jesus? Paul said, it's better by far for me to go and be with the Lord. I'll, I'll hang out here a little bit longer because I have to, but I'll tell you which one I'd rather do. And, and uh, I think as a church, we fail real often because we send Christians through their entire life and they get to the end of it and they're afraid. Rather than getting to the end of it and going, wow. So sometimes I don't know what to pray for in those situations. Sometimes I don't know whether to pray, Lord, bless them, or Lord, let them fall further. <laughs> because sometimes that is the blessing. Because when, when the material blessings are rolling in, you know, we tend to forget God. And, and when it's rough, we, we focus. We, we, he gets our attention. So sometimes, you know, I just don't know which way to go with it. And you don't either, sometimes. The scripture says that the Holy Spirit himself knows exactly which way to go with it. And that he intercedes for us with, with groans that, that words cannot express. I, I had a, a friend that I graduated from high school with, and after I came... Uh, back to the Lord, I was sort of in the charismatic flow, and he was sort of in the anti-charismatic flow, and so we attracted each other, because he had, one of us had a positive charge, one of us had a negative charge, I don't know which one, but, you know, we attracted each other, and, and we'd, and, and that was kind of a, a bone of contention, he would go, I'd go, well, this is tongues, it's talking about tongues, and he says, it, words can't express it, can't possibly be tongues, and, you know, he was probably right, but we'll, we'll talk about tongues later on, but here's the thing, the, the Holy Spirit you know, I, I mentioned my dog earlier. My dog can hear things I can't. He has, he's, he's never spent, he has not ever exposed his ears to rock and roll. And so he, he can hear clearly. But even, even before I did, he could still hear things that I can't. And you know what? There are things that he can't hear that are loud, that are loud enough to rattle the windows and halls of heaven. And the Holy Ghost intercedes for us in ways that maybe, you know, maybe the human ear can't hear it, but the Almighty God can hear it. Over in 1 Samuel, Hannah was, was praying because she was barren and her heart was broken and, and she, and she, and she wanted a child, and, and, and she was at the altar, and, and her lips were moving, but nothing was coming out. And Eli came along and said, put your, put, your, put your drink away, woman. Don't come to the place, don't come to the house of the Lord drunk. And she said, I'm not drunk. I'm just, my heart is broken. I'm in grief. I, please don't think that, that I'm drunk. And the truth of the matter is, words were being spoken very loudly in the ears of God. Say, well, she wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost as the Old Testament. The Holy Ghost came upon her 
it's, it's a different way that it happened in the Old Testament. We'll talk about that. But the Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit prays. The Holy Spirit says things. The Holy Spirit gives testimony about Jesus. In John 15, 26 and 27, it says, When the Counselor comes, the Paraclete comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And lest we think that what that means is that he'll anoint us and empower us so that we'll say something, he goes on to say, and you also must testify. Because you've been with me from the beginning. It's, it, it's two separate things. It's not simply his testimony through us because we're instructed that we have to testify too. Uh, I, I mentioned, I think, last week in my testimony that it was the Holy Spirit who brought me back to Jesus. He was the one who shared with me. Nobody else could. I didn't, I didn't necessarily hear any audible words, but let me tell you, I heard words. I absolutely did. Uh, a, a lot of you have heard me share this before, but I'll, I'll, it's brief. I'll share it again. I was driving along in the car. The Holy Spirit had got me right to that place. And, and I decided, no, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I, God, God loves me, and just because I don't go to church, you know, that, that's not that big a deal. And while it wasn't audible, I can quote him verbatim. If you're okay with God, let me hear you worship him. Holy Ghost said that to me. I went, praise God. <laughs> and I was busted. And here's the thing, every person who's ever been led to Jesus, he's the one who led them. He may have let you get involved on some level, but it was his testimony, it was his witness that drew them, that drew you to Jesus Christ and and enabled you to see the truth of the gospel of Christ. So he testifies, the Holy Spirit is a teacher, a high and holy and mighty calling, John 14, 26, but the the counselor, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. (laughs) You know, a a symbol can be used in teaching, but it can't teach. A force can maybe be used in teaching, but it can't teach. And, And, you know, some might say, well, experience is the best teacher. Well, if that's so, why do we keep fighting wars? Why do we keep committing adultery? Why do we keep doing the same old, same old again and again and again and again? <laughs> I was helping uh, Joel Exley work on the set yesterday, and, and I was assigned building uh, these boxes. And after I got through building the first box, let's just suffice it to say that some modifications had to be done to it. I am a C-plus carpenter. And uh, the second box I got right, you know, and Joel made the comment, well, you know, a good carpenter is one who gets it right the second time. And a great carpenter is one who's already done it the second time. You get right down to it. Now, the reason I'm saying that is I'm going, I'm not discounting experience, but here's, here's the thing. Experience can lead you away from Jesus. Experience can't necessarily take you into truth. You can get into some really wrong stuff because of experience. You really can. In fact, it says over in Proverbs, I think it's 12, 14, 14, 12. It says over in Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, it leads to death. 
Holy Spirit comes as a teacher. And he guides us, leads us into all truth. The Holy Spirit has authority to, to command in the church. He's a person. Acts 13, 2, it says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. This was in Antioch. Uh, it wasn't that a bunch of guys got together or a bunch of gals got together and decided, you know what we need to do? We need to start world missions. And let's see, which one of us would be the best one to do that? Nobody had that idea. Nobody's, no, no person selected them. And, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to get political here, but that's the fallacy of democracy. You know, people are usually wrong when they choose who should be doing the, the, the leading it's God's the one who always gets it right and God said God didn't leave it up to them he said that one and that one I want those two set them apart for me and then once they once they got out on the mission field and they were uh and they were tooling around once again it still wasn't just up to them to make decisions Acts 16 6 and 7 Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia Holy Ghost told him, can't go there. That's not for you to do. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. The Holy Spirit had the authority to make that call, to make that decision. And he still does, because he's not a force. He's not an influence. He's not a symbol. He is a person. And then finally, all of, the, all of the distinct characteristics of personality are ascribed to the Holy Spirit in Scripture. Well, what would those characteristics be? Well, one would be knowledge. Water and electricity are forces of great power, but they don't have any knowledge. I mean, if you go and look at the Grand Canyon, they say that that was carved out. Is it the, is it the Colorado River that flows down through there? Say that that was carved out by the Colorado River. Wow. But you know what? There wasn't a bunch of waters that got together up in Canada and said, Hey guys, let's all go down to Arizona and dig a hole. Because it doesn't have any knowledge. It just goes into... Electricity doesn't know if it's killing you or healing you. It doesn't know if it's making you comfortable or burning your house down. It's just a thing. The Holy Spirit has knowledge. It says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. The Spirit searches out all things, goes after knowledge and finds it, looks in the deep places. The Spirit knows more about you than you know about you because He's a lot smarter than you. He has knowledge. The Holy Spirit has will. Force doesn't have a will. Influence doesn't have a will. Symbols don't have a will unless it's imposed upon them by personality. 
the Holy Spirit, he's got a will. Now, sometimes in us, that will would be called attitude. The Holy Ghost, if the Holy Ghost got an attitude, it's a good one. He's got a will. Over in, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it's speaking of the gifts of the Spirit. And it says, all of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines, just as he wills, whatever he decides. And it's a good thing because the gifts of the Spirit are powerful things. And we'll be talking about them later on in this series. But they're powerful things. And it's a good thing that they're not things that we can just go out and put in our, put in our, uh, our arsenal to be able to pull out and use whenever we want to do something. Because we would make a tremendous mess of things if we had that kind of power to use. Five-year-olds got no business driving a car. They need to drive a tricycle. Because that's something they can't do much damage with. But the Holy Spirit knows exactly where it needs to be, who needs to have it, when it needs to be done. Bam, bam, bam. He decides. He's making willful choices, willful decisions. That can only be done by a person. The Holy Spirit has, has feeling. Romans eight twenty seven says, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. The, the mind here is not just intellectual thoughts, but it's, it's, it's also feelings and purpose. When we were in Zimbabwe, we had, uh, well, we still have um, family that's good friends of ours, Peter and Jane McKenzie. But while we were there, Peter was telling us a story one time that just really irked him. Uh, they were needing to go down to South Africa and, and they usually kept their visas very current to go to South Africa because a, a South African visa was not particularly easy to get. And Jane, his wife, had the visas uh, for the boys and had Peter's visa, but she couldn't find hers. She couldn't find her passport. And she finally decided that she had left it at the South African Trade Mission to try and get a visa there. And... Uh, so that was where her passport was. And Peter said, well, I'll take care of it. I'll go down and check on it and get it. So Peter went to the South African trade mission. And this lady was behind the, the counter. And he said to her, you know, my, my wife brought her passport down here to have her visa renewed. And uh, we have not gotten it back yet. And I would, I would, I've come to collect it. She goes and spends about five or ten minutes and comes back and goes, I'm very sorry, Mr. McKenzie, it's, it's not here. We don't have it. And uh, so he went on to explain to her why it was there, why, logically, why it had to be there. Uh, that, you know, they had the other three. Uh, they had all been turned in at the same time. His wife had come. It, it, you know, it's, it's all very clear. She goes, she spends another five or ten minutes. She comes back, I'm sorry, Mr. McKenzie, it is not here. And I think he went to see them twice. He may have even gone to see them three times, got a lady every time, was very logical and explained every time why it was there, and they couldn't find it. So Jane finally goes down. She goes in. She walks up to the counter, gets a similar lady, maybe even the same one. She says, uh, I've left my passport here. My visa uh, hasn't been renewed, and, and I'm, I believe I've left my passport here with could you check for it? And the lady said, why do you think it is here? And she said, 
I feel like I left it here. Two minutes later, the lady came back with the passport. Now, only people can have feelings, and even men have them. Not quite the same way that ladies have them, but even men have them, and the Holy Spirit has them. When it talks about the mind of the Spirit, it is, it is using a word that attributes the full range of personality in that word mind. And then in Romans 15, 30, it says, I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggles by praying to God for me. The love of the Spirit, not, not love Not us loving the Spirit, but the love that the Spirit has. We know about the love of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The love of God sent Jesus into the world. We we know about the love of Jesus. We think about it. Jesus, our our wonderful shepherd who loves us, uh, our, our, our bridegroom who loves us, the one who went to the cross and died for us, the one who laid down his life for us. Jesus is love. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how, how measureless and strong. And yet we never tend to think about the love of the Holy Spirit. But who is the one who comes into the world and comes to us in our rebellious evil state where the scripture says we are enemies of God who who is the one who comes to us in that condition and woos us and draws us into Christ who who is the one who is charged with conforming us into the image of Christ and boy must that be a lot of fun the way we cooperate with him sometimes the way that we refuse to cooperate with him most of the time and yet he's patient with us and deals with us, and doesn't abandon us, and doesn't leave us, and goes, no, come on, come on, no, no, come on, no, 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 come on, this way, and continues to do it, not only day after day, but year after year, and decade after decade, till he brings us finally into being conformed to the image of Christ Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit who loves us, who loves you, and only a person can do that. The Holy Spirit has emotion. Ephesians 4.30, Barbie referenced this last week. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And I was, I was taught that verse in very much the same way that Barbie was taught it, which was basically, you better straighten up and fly right, boy. Because you're going to grieve the Holy Ghost and he's just going, he's going to be out of here. But that's not what it says. It doesn't say he'll leave you. It just says, don't grieve him. He's, he's got feelings. I think he's grieved in much the same way that a, that a parent is grieved when they see their child make bad choices. And if you've got a child, you have seen them make some bad choices. You absolutely have. Unless you're not paying any attention. And I know that, you know, 
parents are not right 100% of the time. It's really more like 97, 98% of the time that they're right. But when you, when you see that, yeah, it, 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 it hurts. You're grieved for them. But you don't leave. You don't turn your back on them. You don't walk away. And so now when I look at that scripture, it's not like, well, I'm afraid I'm going to do something the Holy Spirit isn't going to like. It's like, wow. Boy. He loves me, doesn't he? He really loves me. I really need to love him. Why does this matter? Why does it matter that we look at him as a person rather than as an influence or as a force or as a a symbol of some kind? Well, it matters a lot. And on the back of your uh, notes there, I've, I've got three quotes by R.A. Torrey. And his, if you want to read a book uh, about this, um, R.A. Torrey's The Person and Work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I mean, first of all, I would encourage you to get your green markers and go home and, and underline everywhere that the Holy Spirit's mentioned in Scripture, uh, like Margaret was talking about a couple of weeks ago. But if you'd like to read another book, R.A. Torrey's The Person and Work of the Holy Spirit's a really important one. Although, I don't really expect very many of you to read it because we don't deal very well with sentences that have over 50 words in them. <laughs> we tend to kind of zone out at about 14 words, you know, somewhere in there. But I, I want to, I, 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 I put those quotes so you can take them home and be reminded of them, but right now... I just let's just read them because he says it better than I can possibly say it. It is of the highest importance from the standpoint of worship that we decide whether the Holy Spirit is a divine person worthy to receive our adoration, our faith, our love, and our entire surrender to himself or whether it is simply an influence emanating from God or a power or an illumination that God imparts to us. You don't worship influences. Worship a person. And so it's important from the standpoint of worship. It is also of the highest importance from the practical standpoint that we decide whether the Holy Spirit is merely some mysterious, wonderful power that we in our weakness and ignorance are somehow to get hold of and use, or whether the Holy Spirit is a real person, infinitely holy, infinitely wise, infinitely mighty, and infinitely tender who is to get hold of and use us. It's all the difference in the world which way you're looking at it. One way leads to tremendous abuses. One way leads to tremendous fruitfulness. And so, if we think of the Holy Spirit as so many do, as merely a power or influence, our constant thought will be, how can I get more of the Holy Spirit? But if we think of him in the biblical way, as a divine person, our thought will rather be, how can the Holy Spirit have more of me? And that's where we want to go. Are you so foolish 
having begun in the Spirit, that you now want to come to completion through human effort? Or are you ready to come to a place where you go, how can you have more of me? What can I do to allow this most important person, this most important person to have access to my life, this most important relationship to flourish in my life? Would you stand with me? Would those who are going to pray with people come forward? If you're here and you need prayer for something, come. Come. Now let me tell you, you know, probably two things are going on right now. There's one voice inside of you going, you're fine. You're doing okay. You know, you don't need anything. And then there's another voice that probably is very similar to the one that I heard in the car that said, oh, oh yeah? Well, let me hear your worship. You know, probably another voice that's kind of going, you know, you really ought to get prayer for this. Or, you know, that situation at work could probably use a little prayer. That situation at home, that, that problem that you think is just financial, got some deeper roots to it. Got a better answer than the one you're coming up with. So if you need something, you come forward. And if you need the Holy Spirit in fullness, you know, we haven't really talked much about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to get there. We are, for sure. I, this is where we needed to start. We needed to start with understanding who He is. Um, so we'll go some other places as well. But if, if, you're, if you're ready to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you just come. His brothers and sisters will pray with you, and you'll believe and you'll receive. We're going to going to worship for a few moments and if you don't need to come then just enjoy his presence enjoy his presence he's worthy of worship he's worthy of it Lord we've set the stage for you with our worship and our praise for you to do As you choose, and our desire is that your will be done, and our desire is that your will.
actually a, a good going out part because I think when we sing this other part of the song we tend to think of okay we're here at this service and that's what this part's about no that, this part is about I'm, I'm going now and you're going with me so move into the, move into the bridge there <laughs> and, and, and y'all can sing this together with me it's real simple the words are real easy do what you want to do. Say what you want to say. Come on now. Move the way you want to move. Because we're your people. Do what you want to do. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Say what you want to say. Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who when leaving this world said I will not leave you as orphans I will come to you I will send you a paraclete of the same kind as myself may the Holy Spirit be real to you may he be your friend may he be your counselor may, be, may he be as close as your breath through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 